Hi, I'm Ken. And I'm Dee. And welcome to Antiques Freaks. Your favorite podcast. The only one. The only one you'll ever love. Right, yeah. What antiques are we talking about this week? Cabbage Patch Kids. Oh, no. Yeah. About time we got around to it, right? Oh, no. Well, thank you to Olivia, also known as Ofsieri, for suggesting this in our Twitch stream. It turns out nobody died. That's all urban myth. Yay! Okay, I'm way more enthusiastic for this one now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Some people were beaten very badly, but they didn't die. Yay! (laughs) It's actually kind of dark in a completely different way. Oh, good. (laughs) Um, kind of. Not anywhere near as much as people murdered for baby dolls. Yay! So a Cabbage Patch doll is ugly. The end. Okay, no. The end. (laughs) How would you describe one, Ken? A doll with a big round head, rather like a head of cabbage, and all of the facial features are squinched up into the center of it like an actual baby. Like, you know how when they first come out, they're all scrunched up? Oh, yeah. Very scrunchy. Yeah, they're like that. That's actually really good. Yeah. They are so called because in the fiction of the toy, they are babies found in a cabbage patch where babies are grown. Organic free-range babies. No pesticides, I should hope. That would explain how they look. (laughs) So, whoever the current copyright holder for Cabbage Patch Dolls is now, I don't care because it's contemporary and I don't care about that. Whoa. Okay, fine. It's a wicked cool toy company. Current holder of the copyright. The official website for the brand would tell you that they were the brainchild, literal, actual brain children, of a man named Xavier Roberts, who learned needle sculpting from his quilting mama. Did he build an academy for these very special children of his creation? No, but he does have a general hospital for them, which I'll get to. That's a weird story. Doll hospitals are not new. Uh, this one is. (laughs) Okay. But that is a bit of a misdirection. Xavier Roberts didn't come up with the idea whole cloth, although he did practice needle sculpting and sewed with his mother. They originally started as the Doll Babies, soft sculpture dolls made by a folk artist named Martha Nelson Thomas in the 1970s. The phrase the Doll Babies feels redundant in a way I can't linguistically justify, but I don't like it. That's fair. Sure. (laughs) Thank you for sharing with the glass, Ken. Yeah, no, I'm glad that you have feelings. Um... (laughs) And that you express them so freely. I don't know what to say to that. I kind of agree, yeah. Now, notably, and this might become familiar to anyone who had one of these little uh, rascals as a kid, her dolls came with birth certificates and adoption papers and lists of their likes and dislikes. Oh. Beanie Babies take note. Oh, they did. So Martha Nelson Thomas was extremely emotionally attached to the art that she made. Hence the birth certificates and vivid backstories. Yeah. So for her, that was very, very serious. I feel like that's going to cut into her profit margin significantly. Well, yeah, you've put your finger, as is your way, on a very delicate issue. If you're too fucking precious about your art, you can't sell it. And then you don't make any money. So a man named Xavier Roberts came to Martha Nelson Thomas and narratives vary pretty wildly here, actually. All we have are the recollections of her friends and neighbors. He either asked for permission to sell the dolls in his gift shop or purchased some, marked them up, and sold them in his gift shop without permission. Either way, Martha Nelson Thomas pulled the dolls from his shop. He was selling them for too much or selling them for too little. Although most people agree that it was probably that she opposed the concept of selling them for a profit at all. Because they were her literal actual children. Yes, She did sell them, but she took the concept of an adoption pretty seriously. She wasn't selling them. She was merely accepting an adoption fee. Yes, that's not a joke. (laughs) 
It was not unknown for the people who were fans of her work to have family reunions with her. So she could see her children again? So she could see them again. This story isn't getting any less grim, Dee. I mean, is it grim for an artist to love her work? I told you the story of my watercolor birds for my grandmother, right? I mean, yes. I paint watercolor birds for my grandmother, and I started doing this because once I paint the bird, I put it in an envelope and put it in the mail, and I don't have to see it again, and I'm not haunted by my old bad art anymore. Uh Uh-huh. And then to my horror, I visited my grandmother and discovered she was keeping all of the birds. What did you expect her to do with the birds? Together in a photo album and showing them to everyone who visited her house, and then showing them to me when I visit. (laughs) So now I have to stare my old bad art in the face every time I visit my loving, wonderful grandmother. Doesn't the love of your grandmother recontextualize it? Mostly I just cringe. I don't know what you were expecting when your grandmother started receiving hand-painted bird cards from her from her favorite grandson. Like, you think she was going to toss them? <laughs> I was kind of hoping a kindly relative would do some spring cleaning for her, but no, they've bought her a photo album, so now she can keep all of the birds in a handy-dandy book to look at always. Yay. So yeah, no, I don't understand how an artist is anything but haunted by their past work. Well, that sounds like a problem for therapy. (laughs) (laughs) We went over this last week. I don't need therapy. I have a podcast. Yep. (laughs) Okay. So pivoting back to Xavier Roberts, the man who for some how some for somehow the man who somehow fucked up selling these dolls. Allegedly, he said, if you're not going to sell them, then people are going to get to buy them, whether they're yours or something else. Yikes. And enter Xavier Roberts, the little people. The great big world of? No, just little people. Oh. These were needle sculpted, hand sewn dolls that were, I would say, feloniously similar to Martha Nelson Thomas's art. One of the reasons that this took off and very few people had anything to say about it, Martha Nelson Thomas was mostly selling to friends and family. And she, as Ken had mentioned, she didn't sign her work. When did I mention that? You mentioned that she didn't copyright it. That's different from not signing it. Yeah, it's different, but it's in the same vein of ownership of a thing. She didn't trademark it, you mean, because any work of art created in the United States is copywritten automatically by virtue of having been created. Yeah. The trademark process is not automatic. That's a whole separate thing, but copyright is automatic. It became important that she didn't sign them. Ah. Because Xavier Roberts did sign them right on the ass. Just like a real baby. To quote Martha Nelson Thomas's husband, Martha did not sign her work. Most of the time she sold it with children in mind. Children were taking this doll in as a member of their family and becoming a mom to the doll, and to find somebody's name stamped on it totally took away from that feel. Now, an interesting thing that happened is that someone started making knockoffs of the little people. Oh no. And since he had copyrighted it, Xavier sued for copyright infringement. Well, again, copyright is automatic, but yeah. The guy's defense was that Martha had been the real inventor, so Xavier couldn't sue for copyright infringement. And that should be correct, and his suit should have been thrown out, and she should have received everything he made from selling these dolls, right, D? The judge examined the dolls made by Martha Nelson and Xavier Roberts and found them generally dissimilar in terms of facial expression, which is not true. Shape of the nose and the hands, also not true. And the type of eyes, also not true. The one difference that Martha's dolls lacked, a center seam creating the buttocks and a signed derriere. So he was a butt man is what you were saying. He was an ass man. I wish he weren't. After this, which Xavier did win, but I don't think there was ever a payout for it. It was actually pretty difficult to get information on the nitty gritty on that one. In came Martha Nelson Thomas. She approached his lawyers and eventually sued him for one million in punitive damages and all the profits Robert has made in selling the dolls. Good. 
And while she didn't win, it was settled out of court for an undisclosed amount. All Martha would ever say about the number was that she could send her kids to college. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. In any case, happy with having some restitution and, you know, putting some respect on her name. Roberts sold the license to Colco in 1982, who changed the name officially to Cabbage Patch Kids following Robert Xavier's extremely fucking weird story about babies growing in a cabbage patch. It's not that weird. Uh, his version is pretty weird. Yeah? He claims that he, I mean, he doesn't claim this for real. This is part of the story for children. That he followed the bunny bees, which are bumblebees with bunny ears behind a waterfall and found the patch. That is... Wicked fucking cute. I don't see what your problem is with this. I just don't like the man. I want bunny bees. Why didn't they make bunny bees? Just make the bunny bees. The Cabbage Patch dolls can go back in their fucking Cabbage Patch. Where are my bunny bees? Sorry, do you like it better now? Uh, I'm sorry, I misread my notes. Let me clarify. They have rabbit ears that they use as wings. That's so cute. You think that's cute, you fucking monster? That's so cute. They flap their big floppy ears because they're a lot bunnies. And then they fly. Okay. That's so fucking cute. How do you not find this cute? Maybe I just hate the guy too much. I mean, sure, but that doesn't mean we can't steal his idea and make a bajillion dollars selling bunny bees. Well, let's make a bajillion dollars then. All right. Podcast canceled. Let's go. I <laughs> think he's dead. So, you know, who's going to sue us? Now, selling to Colco was an important step as Colco Cabbage Patch Kids are what people consider the original Cabbage Patch Kids in as much as you could buy them from stores. Is I was curious about the Cabbage Patch idea or why they stuck to that little story. And apparently it was just because kids would become distressed at where the baby had come from. Oh. Uh, because it came with adoption papers and the kids would be like, but where is its mom? Yeah. You know, it's got a mama somewhere. And they were like, oh, don't worry. It's just cabbage. <laughs> I love how children's brains work. <laughs> you can that, that is an acceptable answer. You can deadass just tell a kid, some cabbages make babies. Don't worry about it. And they'll go, oh my God. You know what? That makes so much sense. <laughs> For whatever reason, a lot of people did a lot of very interesting think pieces that I personally am not super interested in because it's largely philosophical. And that's why we've brought it up on this podcast, to dismiss it out of hand without explanation. Uh, well, it, people, basically people thought that Cabbage Patch Dolls became popular because feminism started happening. Okay. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> see my interest in dismissing it out of hand. Basically, yeah, the idea of the traditional family unit was breaking apart. Divorces were becoming much more common, being depicted in the media. Women were going to work in workplaces that were traditionally male. Again, because they had been in those workplaces before, then been shunted out by men returning from World War II, but sure. Yeah, and though they, they were returning as yuppies and pants. The same pants they were wearing when they had those jobs before, but sure. No, these are yuppie pants. It's not like it. Oh, okay. Those first ones are hardworking woman pants. These are yuppie pants. And they're jazzercising. And basically the ideal of a little cottage and 2.5 heterosexual cisgender children was falling apart. Because it was never real in the first place. Yeah, the illusion was fading. And the idea is that a lot of families latched on to the idea of these dolls and basically created an anxiety in their children that was remedied by giving them a baby doll to play act to these lost quote unquote values. Sure. I would think it would be because like families are following a less quote unquote traditional model and adoption is becoming more open and common and spoken of. So to have a doll with adoption papers helps reinforce the notion that adoption is normal and helpful for society. That is actually the second think piece facet to why they became popular. 
Neither of these are scientific fact. These are just, you know, like I said, these are think pieces. This is philosophy. And that was also posited that the changing face of the family structure was making concepts like adoption more normalized. Yeah. I like that one better personally, so here's hoping. However, this turned into the Cabbage Patch becoming the toy du jour of the early 80s. Their squishy little faces were the only thing kids wanted for Christmas, and the outsized demand that quickly outweighed the production of the toys led to what you can find on Wikipedia referred to as the Cabbage Patch Kid Riots. Damn. Now, as I said at the beginning, no one died in them. Yay. Can't say the same for Beanie Babies, but you know. Can't say the same for Beanie Babies as it turns out. For more on that, check out our Beanie Babies episode. One very famous story had a Zayers which I guess used to be a department store manager that had to ward people out of the toy section with a baseball bat, which is a very funny image. Extremely funny. And basically all the carnage you expect with Black Friday. A lot of punching, kicking, trampling. As you do. And unfortunately, Martha was here to see that. Oh no, Martha! She was quoted as saying, I feel somehow responsible for the riots, but there's nothing I can do about it. I think if I hadn't made that first doll, this wouldn't be happening. It shouldn't be this way. There are too many people out there making these dolls. But... To alleviate the issue, she began her own official line of craft items through a company called Fibercraft that were based on her very original doll babies called the Original Doll Babies. And these were maker kits. It was a little pre-crafted head and arms and you would sew the body. That's wicked cute! Yep. Where Cabbage Patch Kids dolls were going on the aftermarket for upwards of $200 in 80s money. Yeah. So enough to buy a house today. Yeah. Her doll baby kit costs $16. Damn. National fucking hero she is. (laughs) It's really charming. And actually, when she passed away, several of her favorite dolls that she'd kept for her life attended her funeral. That's very sweet. And also the premise of at least three horror films. Yeah, but her family is like pretty happy and normal. So I guess just like being a good person keeps haunting from happening. Here's hoping. So just be nice. Eventually, Colco would go on to sell to Hasbro, who would go on to sell to Mattel, who would go on to sell to Wicked Cool Toy Company. At the original sale to Hasbro is when they introduced the vinyl heads. The original Colcos were actually still all fabric. And they do still make them, and they actually do still make them in limited quantities to keep their collectability high. One of the things that I thought was interesting is someone was positing that the reason that Cabbage Patch Kids actually have managed to maintain a stable collectability to this day is because they were actually being sold at a pretty high price at the time. So the market was not as flooded as it was with, say, Beanie Babies. Exactly. Beanie Babies a kid could buy with their allowance. A kid couldn't do that with a Cabbage Patch doll, necessarily. That kind of had to be gifted. The collectability also stems from the fact that as soon as Colco took over, they began to mutate. Oh, God. (laughs) Colco made Cabbage Patch Twins, a line called Preemies for premature babies. That feels grim. I mean, not really. You're, you know, they survived or they wouldn't be little dollies that you could take care of. I guess. And that would only spiral when Hasbro took over and started introducing kids that were meant to be played with in the pool, kids that could drink, and unfortunately, kids that could eat. And now the horrifying tale of the doll that eats. The doll that eats was a Cabbage Patch doll with a motorized mechanism so that when you put food, little tiny plastic chunks of food into its mouth, the motor would run and slide that food right down the mouth into a chamber inside of it, which could be accessed and removed for reuse. So it has a mouth that go chomp, chomp, chomp automatically and gears that swallow whatever is in the mouth to deposit into the stomach. Yep. (laughs) Again, the chomping mechanism is automatic. 
There is nothing in it that detects what exactly has been put into the mouth, and it does not stop chomp chomp chomping until the mouth is clear. Yeah, basically it's a series of, I believe, four metal rollers, which will become important when you think about what happens to hair in metal rollers that activate automatically. And do not stop until the obstacle is no more. So at least one child was, in fact, uh, had their scalp torn off by this doll. They are fine. For a certain value of fine. For a certain value of fine. And there are stories, although I don't think any fully corroborated, of them having their fingers broken in it, which is actually pretty possible. Extremely possible because, again... These are metal rollers that stop for nothing until what they are rolling is gone. With gaps that you can get stuck in. Yes. So they can tear skin, break bones, and just cause horrible bruises and terrify the child. Hasbro looked at all of the industrial mill accidents that children got caught in throughout the 1800s and the early half of the 20th century and said, what if we recreate this and sell it as a playable experience? Yeah, exactly. Um, So that was a toy that was effectively banned as soon as it occurred to everyone that it was the worst idea possible. As soon as a child was scalped. Yes. Because they sold them a series of metal gears that would stop for nothing until they destroyed what was put into them. (laughs) Metal gear? Metal gear. Metal gear. (laughs) Metal gear. Metal Gear? If you showed me all of the facts, the rumors of things that happened because of Cabbage Patch dolls, I would have selected that one as fake. No. I would have been like, yes, someone probably got shot over a high value toy. No, I don't think it scalped a child. And, you know, hit that Uno reverse card (laughs) um, on my assumptions. Some of the other Cabbage Patch dolls that maintain their value are (laughs) Dark Skinned 1983 Cabbage Patch Kids, because there weren't that many of them. And also the rare 1989-1994 crossover transitional toys, where for a brief time Hasbro ones were being made with cloth because they were using whatever Colco had left. In general, a vinyl-headed doll will be worth mm, $10 to $30, with some differences happening if it is a special edition, if it's got some unusual features. If it's the doll that eats. If it's the doll that eats, which probably commands a pretty high price right about now. And if it has its original papers. Original papers are the absolute best thing to have in terms of value. Provenance, if you will. A provenance, if you will. For some reason, red-haired dolls are just worth more. I say for some reason, it's because of the numbers they were produced in. Did they produce them in numbers that reflected the number of redheads in the actual human population? Basically. And they used an unusual material. That's very funny. Preemies are also very collectible. (laughs) Wow, that's a sentence I got to say today. Sentences to take out of context. Preemies are valuable. Especially on the aftermarket. Oh boy. The Colco kids, the first Cabbage Patch kids, had embroidered tags. That's an easy way to determine if you have one of those. If you want to determine if you have the doll that eats, check to see how much hair you have left. (laughs) Yeah. And how unbroken your fingers are. Yeah, put stuff in its mouth until something breaks and then you know. That's another sentence to take out of context. This is great. Yeah, this is a great episode. I'm so glad we're here. (laughs) This is an awesome episode. The early Cabbage Patch dolls, the Colco ones, and of absolute course, the Xavier Roberts ones, and extra super double, of course, anything Martha made, you are looking from the high hundreds to the thousands. Damn. Depending on, you know, the usual suspects, quality, condition, age, completion of the set, it does have its original clothes and its paperwork. You know, those high hundreds are assuming you have the adoption papers. 
And coming to a section I'd like to call, hey, what the fuck, Babyland General Hospital. I don't think this is as weird as you're making it out to be, but let's see. It's the birthplace of the little people. It's in Georgia. With the help of his friends, Roberts converts an old doctor's clinic into basically a souvenir shop. It's where he sells them. It's the place to get the little people. It also functions as a doll hospital. The facility is presented as a birthing, nursery, and adoption center. Everyone who works there dresses like doctors and nurses. This really isn't that weird. American girls' dolls have a very similar setup. You can watch the little people being born from the mother cabbage with the help of licensed patch nurses. Do they actually have big rubber heads of cabbage? Yes. (laughs) That's hilarious. You can see the preemie babies in their incubators. And on rare occasion, you can see a C-section or a cabbage section. The C stands for cabbage. (laughs) And you don't think this is strange. This is hilarious. What are you talking about? He's doing surgery on cabbages, Ken. This is the funniest fucking thing he's ever done in his whole goddamn life. (laughs) Well, yeah, it's it's funny. (laughs) This is pitch perfect performance art. Don't get me wrong. It's very funny. John Waters fucking wishes he could. Like, come on. <laughs> Lee Bowery hoomst. He makes the kids watch C-sections, but they're cabbages. Yes. This is hilarious. Yeah, it's, it's very weird and it's very funny. Art. High art. It is high art. He's elevated it beyond mere sculpture into an experience. <laughs> Is that, yeah, is that we're going to give him that that level of respect? Yes. It's called Babyland General. Yeah, Babyland General Hospital, where the babies get made. Absolutely. <laughs> My favorite is it's surprisingly difficult to find information on this place, despite the fact that it is still a tourist destination. I did find the phrase, this is on Wikipedia of all places, it was voted Travel Channel's top 10 Toylands, which that's interesting because that's not a list the Travel Channel curates. The thing about Wikipedia is that it's the encyclopedia that anyone can edit. (laughs) It's never been more apparent. I just can't figure out what someone would get out of lying about a Travel Channel top 10 (laughs) Toylands. It's worse. It gets worse, though. I was so flummoxed by this that I looked up Travel Channel's top 10 Toylands, and what list it does appear on is <laughs> the extremely poorly named top. <laughs> you can do this. You can get through this. I believe in you. Top t- top 10 bucket list destinations for children. Oh, no. I think the original context of a bucket list may have gotten lost somewhere through reuse. I think it's worse. I don't think the original context was lost. No, it was. The article states that it's a place to take children before they become adults. Oh, no. It's like places only children can appreciate. Like, you know, before your kid turns into a surly teenager, like you can experience their wonder at these areas. I guess like the death of their innocence, but it doesn't say that. And it just, and the title just says, like, it's it's not actually that grim, but they did call it the bucket list for kids. Oh, boy. Um, which is, I wouldn't have laughed at it if that were actually the case, Ken. You know I do my due diligence. Just checking. <laughs> it's really funny, though. It's also on their list of top museums. I don't know that this qualifies as a museum, but hey, it sounds fun. Sure. You want to go see someone do surgery on a cabbage? Absolutely not. I... <laughs> D, I need you to really think about this for like five solid seconds. What? A single man in his 30s without children going alone to watch (laughs) someone do a C-section on a cabbage (laughs) in a children's toy store. 
What kind of look do you think that is? I've done way worse stuff, like, in terms of optics. Yeah, you want to talk about it directly into the mic? Yes, no. Uh, <laughs> so if anyone has video of this, or just any evidence... <laughs> Because the thing is, like, what I want it to be is I want them to hold the cabbage over their head and tear it in half like Superman with a phone book. I don't think that's what they do. And then the baby, like, plops out. I don't think that's what happens. I think you're going to be disappointed if you go in inspecting that. Because here's the thing. If you treat the cabbage like a human being, it defeats the purpose of the babies coming from cabbages. Does it? Yeah, because if a cabbage needs to be, like, who cares if you take a baby out of a cabbage, right? I feel like several police departments would care, but... Well, I mean, <laughs> I think they care more about who left it there. So, like, the act of harvesting a cabbage destroys the cabbage. So, like, I'm writing my own think piece here. Wait, what? It does what to a cabbage now? When you fucking eat a cabbage, bro, what do you fucking do? Like, it's not potatoes. Dude, I have bad news for you about potato harvests. Oh, oh wait. And what they do to the potato. Yeah, yeah they, it, you cut, where do you think a head of cabbage comes from? You cut the cabbage off and you fucking munch it like Hannibal Buress. <laughs> that was the joke. I was making a joke about, like... <laughs> People extremely not knowing where their food comes from. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you, I was so pressed. I thought you were being like sincere. Do we grow cabbages where I come from? Yeah, you know, I guess I forgot that. Imagine my disappointment when I visited my grandfather's cabbage patch and found no children within it. Ooh, that must have been rough for you. It was very rough. I'm just saying that if the caveat to making the kids worry about what happened to the parents of these children that need to be adopted is, well, they just come out of cabbages. If you treat the cabbage as a patient that needs to be saved, and treat it tenderly, I think at that point the humanity becomes transferred to the cabbage and now you're still worried about its original parents. I am wondering what this did to convincing children to eat cabbage. I am wondering how a baby is premature in a cabbage. Also that. <laughs> I have a lot of questions. None of which can ever be answered. Not comfortably. Because like, fuck if I'm going within 10 feet of that building. I thought you said it sounded fun, Ken. It sounds like a fun thing for other people to do. <laughs> And then tell me about later. Like a horror movie. I don't watch horror movies. I love hearing you guys talk about them. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so uh, what do you think the humanity of the cabbage is at Babyland General Hospital? Write in antiquesfreakspodcast at gmail.com. And that's Cabbage Patch Kid dolls for ya. It wasn't fucked up the way I thought it was going to be, but it was pretty weird. Yay. Sources for today include mycpkcollection.weebly.com, cabbagepatchkids.com historyofyesterday.com, who again invented the Cabbage Patch dolls, antiquetrader.com, Cabbage Patch Kids, and 80stoystore.com, the history of the original Cabbage Patch Kids dolls. Not the ghost of the doll? I would actually recommend against the Vice mini documentary on the issue, as Vice is wont to do, they have played up many angles for maximum drama. Drama! At the cost of factuality. History of Yesterday is actually probably the most factual source. If you would like to suggest an episode topic or just say hello, you can email us directly at Podcast at gmail.com. You can post on our Facebook group, Antiques Friends. You can tag us on Tumblr, antiquesfreaks.tumblr.com, or you can DM us on Instagram at instagram.com slash antiquesfreaks. If you enjoyed the episode and you would like to tell us that, you can whisper quietly into your phone to do nothing, or you can scroll on down to wherever you're listening to this podcast and leave us a review. I liked the part where you talked about cabbage and its capacity for humanity, you might say, in the review. Every review has the chance of getting our voice into a variety of listening ears. Ears of cabbage. Ears of cabbage. If you would like more Antiques Freaks in your week, you can check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash antiquesfreaks, where every week we are reading and reviewing a chapter of the Victorian Penny Dreadful Varney the Vampire or the Feast of Blood and posting a bonus episode. Special shout out to our patrons for paying our hosting fees and filling our hearts with love. So much love. 
And thank you in particular for listening. That's right, you. Au revoir. Goodbye.